Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our series we've titled In God We Trust. There is no doubt that we are living in a season of chaos and conflict, but that does not have to deplete your soul. The things that you read in the news or on your social media does not have to indicate how you are living inside. We, my friends, can live in confidence knowing that God is for us, He cares about us, and that we have confidence no matter what we face. And in this series, we're going to be unpacking what that looks like for you. So would you join with us and come along as we truly can proclaim in God we trust. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nixon's Church family, to our final week in our series, In God We Trust. Over the course of this series, we've been investigating what does it mean to truly trust God in a world that is full of chaos and conflicts. Last week, we talked about, in particular, how do we respond when the world around us is full of things that just pull at us? How do we, how do we respond? Of course, we talked about prayer and the importance of prayer, but really in the midst of praying, we need to sometimes just stop. Stop all the craziness in our head. Stop all the fighting. Stop all the things that we're just dealing with and just be in God's presence. And now this week, we're going to just bring it back to what does it mean in this culture that we're in to live in grace and truth. You see, so many times in the course of at least my life, I don't know about yours, but I have a guess that it's probably the same for you. You either have a tendency to go towards truth or grace. And we'll unpack what that means in just a bit. But suffice it to say, Jesus lived fully in grace and truth. And we pick that up in the first chapter of the book of John, this book written beautifully about the life of Jesus. And it began a very interesting way, associating word with Jesus himself, the word. Now, in the biblical context, the word was truly like the ultimate source of truth from God. Like it, this is a title that God used for Jesus, ultimate source of truth. Let me read it to you, just the first five verses in the book of John, and then we're going to tie it together with John 1.14, and just listen to how God depicts Jesus at the very beginning of this book, the letter of John. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, before anything created, here was Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, associating Jesus as God himself. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light 
of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. And I'll put in there my addition. And it has not, and it will not overcome it for all of eternity. Then verse 14 ties us beautifully together. It says, the word, that is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. Now, this is one of Jesus' followers, John the Baptist, or John, not John the Baptist, but John, his disciple, who was writing this. And he's saying, I observed this truth. I seen this. I testify about this. This really did happen. This isn't something that I just heard about. I witnessed it. So we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then throughout the rest of the book of John, he writes about this life that Jesus lived. And it is so packed with many beautiful examples of both Jesus' works that he did, the beautiful things he did to care for people, to love people, but also the words that he spoke, that spoke life and truth in a graceful way. Jesus truly lived a life full of grace and truth. The word full in this passage is like this overflowing in abundance. Like it can't be, it's like, it's, it's hard to explain how full he was. It was beyond our ability to comprehend. It was constantly overflowing. Like it just kept welling out like a, like a spring that just never stopped. Grace and truth never stopped existing all the time in Jesus' life here on earth and for all of eternity when he was with the Father and now back with the Father again. And so Jesus modeled for us this, this unbelievable life filled with grace and truth. He modeled it for us so that, as John would say, so that we could live it, so that we could model it for the world around us, so that they would in turn want to turn to the Father and be welcomed into the family of God. That's what we were left here to do, to continue to direct people towards the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ making a way for us to be in the presence of God for all of eternity. The problem is you and I struggle with both grace and truth. And for many, at least from the life that I've experienced, every person has a tendency to lean one way or the other. And there's a problem with that. There's a problem when we have all truth and no grace. And maybe you know a person like this. I can think of many in my younger years. Of, this is something that was probably a little more common back a couple decades ago, where a person would rely so heavily on the truth of God's Word. If God's Word said it, then we do it. There was no emotion involved in it, right? Emotions were separated, and so you just do what is right. And so we would read a passage like, say, Hebrews 10, 25, where it says, don't forsake meeting together. And you had people who took that and said, you can never miss a time at church. If the church doors are open, you are there. And if somebody wasn't there, they were ostracized and looked down upon. Maybe they weren't necessarily spoken ill of, but the person knew that everybody was judging them because they missed 
going to church. They forsook meeting together with their church family. And that was a bad thing. And the issue that rises up is that when you have truth without grace, it will lead to hurt. It'll lead to rebellion. And I know I don't have to really say this, but there are so many followers of Jesus. Maybe it's you listening today. You're one of those people. There was things said that hurt you because though it was true, you needed to hear it because if we're not living underneath the truth as we will read in just a moment, if we're not living under that, we're, we're missing out on all of the life that God has for us. But if it's not presented in a way that understands that we're all in progress, we're, we're all working through difficulties and things that maybe don't add up, if it's spoken without that understanding and love and compassion, it will lead to rebellion. And so many people have this, this bad taste of church, and I, I've heard so many people in the last, I don't know, two or three years where it's been a lot of church bashing. And it hurts to hear that because it's not a church. It's a few people who were more concerned about truth than they were about grace. And honestly, these people who speak these things really care about a person. They just failed to convey compassion and understanding. They care about the person because they want them to live out all that God has for them, but they did it in a way that caused hurt. And now people who have rejected the church, they haven't rejected Jesus because we know Jesus is so gracious. They rejected the people. They rejected his family. And that hurts God. So if you're listening today and you've been hurt because somebody just was shoving truth down your throat, understand, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's not the way all people are. That's not the way the church was meant to be. And so would you consider again going back and connecting to a group of people care about you. We want you to come to life because you need your church family. But though truth without grace leads to hurt and rebellion, I think in today's society we've kind of done a whiplash. This happens a lot in cultures where you have this reaction to truth, 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 and then comes along the backlash to it where people are full of grace and lack truth. This is a dangerous thing as well. This is something that I personally struggle with. And, and the thought goes like this. I don't want to hurt that person, right? So it could be another fellow person who is a, a follower of Jesus. I don't want them to get hurt like this person over here got hurt by the church and, and has rejected the church and has stopped going in connecting with other people that help them grow. And so I don't want to offend them. I don't want to lead them away. And so I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait. Or it could be that person who doesn't know Jesus yet, and, and I don't want to cause them to, to not accept the gospel. And so I want to be careful that I don't offend them. And so I take the time, and, and I don't speak the truth. The, 
reality, though, today is that grace without truth leads to relativism. We don't establish truth. What is truth? Right? Like, if I'm not going to speak what is true from God's word to another person, with, of course, grace involved, but if I don't speak that, they don't get to hear what God's best is for them. I, I, they miss an opportunity to grow in the likeness of Jesus, which is exactly what God has called them to do. If they're a follower of Jesus, every day we are growing in the likeness of Jesus. That's what sanctification is. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans 12, where he says, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every day you are allowing the Spirit to change you. But if you're not having somebody speak that truth into your life, you don't have that opportunity to be renewed, to be sanctified, to become like Jesus. And so it leads to relativism. And that can easily lead to the culture we're in right now as a society and especially as a church. What is true? What is right? What is wrong? We haven't had these conversations. And I talk about how do we respond in this world? What does that look like? What does God's word say? And does God's word actually even speak about that? How do we take the implications of what God's word says and apply it to something that God's word doesn't say? Like there's all these questions and that might seem pretty complex to you. So if it is, just put that off to the side right now. The reality is, is without truth, chaos and conflict will arise in a society. You have to have some form of truth to be based on. Otherwise, everybody's truth is relative. Everybody should have a say. And if you say that my way is the only way, that's where the issue lies in today's society, doesn't it? How dare you say that it's not right to do? You name the issue. Get you in trouble. Get you locked up even potentially in some parts of the world now. Relativism is unfortunately leading the day. And so how does that look in, in Christianity today? I'll go to church, but I won't invite somebody because I don't want to offend them. I'll share a, a Bible verse on social media, but it better be a nice, safe one that nobody will question and, and look at me as an angry person, right? That's all grace. I want to think about others, and I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to step on toes, and so we just play the easy route all make sure that we don't make Jesus look bad. And I get it, right? I struggle with this too. Where is that balance? Because we do have to be mindful. Just spitting out a bunch of angry things on, on social media isn't going to make somebody's mind change. That's reality. But when it comes to dealing with people face to face, we need both grace and truth. So we want to talk about that today. How, how does it look to, to be a person full of grace and truth? Because we know that a safe Christian doesn't have any backbone. They're not going to win anybody into the kingdom of God. They're not going to help people to understand, you know, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean that Jesus came to save us of our sins? If you're not speaking truth, you're not digging in and saying that apart from Jesus, there is no way to the Father, there's no way to eternal life. 
there is no way that we're doing what we're called to do. But if all we're doing is slamming and, and being that Bible thumper, that old terminology that we once used, if, if that's what you're doing, you'll turn everybody who's a potential follower of Jesus away. In fact, you'll even turn followers of Christians or Jesus away in today's society because of your anger and your lack of understanding of where people are at. And so today, we're just going to take the next few moments and we're going to talk about how to balance that. I'm not going to give you concrete ways of how you can live this out. I'm, I'm just going to lay out to you what it means to live with truth as part of who you are as a follower. We're going to talk about what does it mean to live a life full of grace for others. So let's talk about grace first. Grace and the original version in, in the Greek and Hebrew, what we see in the Bible is this understanding of an undeserved kindness. We didn't earn it. We didn't do anything to get grace, right? It's the favor and goodwill of God towards us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It is his outpouring towards us. Now listen to this. I think this is very important for us to hear today. Truth informs us, right? Truth informs us of how we can be saved or how to live or what grace is. It informs us, but it cannot save. Truth alone cannot save a single person. I can know everything about God, everything about the Bible, but without the Holy Spirit coming inside of me, the undeserved grace of God changing my heart, I cannot be saved. It is the filling of God in our lives that changes us. That's why we pray for loved ones, because we know on their own, they will not come to Jesus. They need the power of God released in their lives. So grace is the undeserved kindness in favor of God. We read this in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You can read this for yourself. But it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. It doesn't say anything else. It is by grace, the undeserved favor of God. Grace. But it is through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast, right? And so we do have a part, right? God sends his spirit. He helps us to understand this truth that we read about in God's word or somebody has told us about in God's word. We understand it. We believe it. But it is only because of God's grace. It's what he has done. It's not what we have done. We just simply believe it. That's the only thing we do to receive his grace. We, we believe it. We believe it. Salvation is a gift. But it's also not something that we just get one day and it's over, right? It's something that we get every day. I need grace every day. Every moment of every day, you need the grace of God. Every single moment of every single day, grace is something we need in order to stay in a right relationship with God. Because every day we mess up. Every day we make mistakes. We need the grace of God. I want to read for you 
Titus. This is something that I just came across this week, and it was so beautiful. This is Titus chapter 2. There's only three chapters in Titus, so it's a very short little letter that Paul wrote to Titus himself. And we read about this beautiful grace of God. It's a complex thing. It just doesn't affect our salvation. It affects so much of our life. The entirety of our life is a gift of grace towards us. The breath that we breathe, it's grace. We don't deserve a single thing on earth. We have a gift that God gave us of grace. Listen to this. This brings it full front for you today. He says to Titus, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, right? We, we know that. Bringing salvation for all people. And number two, instructing us. Instructing, so bringing truth, grace and truth go together again to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. So it instructs us how to live. So God's grace gives us salvation. It gives us the truth. Continues on. And so helps us to live in a godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, there's the third one, we give, we're given hope of a future for all of eternity, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave us, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people for his own possession. And then he adds this last one, eager to do good works. That's grace. All of that was grace. So we get it for salvation. We get it for understanding things about God. That's a grace given to us. We've been given grace of this hope for a future, for a better place that, that will make earth and all the goodness that we get on earth seem nothing in comparison. And then he finishes off that we've been given grace to do good works. I want to pause and think about that. It's all grace. And so we have been given grace. I want to just focus in on that last statement, to do good works. We have been given grace to give, are you ready? grace to others. So who is that in your life that needs grace? You have been given grace in order to give grace to that coworker who drives you insane, that neighbor who's always giving you issues, <laughs> put it that way nicely, that student who's a bully, that person who is hurting, you don't know what to do, you don't, you don't have the skills or abilities to help, but God will give you grace to be graceful to the people around you. You are where you are for a reason. Even if I can think, some of you are thinking right now, this is not where I'm supposed to be. God called me to do this, and I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Even if you're not where you know you're supposed to be, those people around you are there 
for you to give grace to. Even if you're in a season of transition, the people around you are there for you to give grace to. You don't have to give grace to everybody, but to those that God calls you to give grace to, give grace to them, right? You're not responsible for somebody who you don't know on TV, right? You're not responsible for somebody who's on the radio or some politician someplace. Now, if you meet them in person, then you're called to be gracious to them, right? If somebody is speaking ill about that person, that's when you stand up and you give grace to that politician they're speaking about. But don't overburden yourself like, oh, I have to be gracious to all people. That's impossible. Yeah, it is. Just be gracious to the people that God has put in your life and care about them. Care about them. You have grace. We give grace. But we've got to do it with truth as our foundation. So how about this truth? In this world we live in right now, truth, I have to say, it's on trial. I know that might be an exaggeration, but what is truth in our society? There are parts of this world right now that not that long ago were sitting in the shoes that those in the U.S. are sitting in. And now they're in a place where if you stand up and you speak anything that lines up with God's word and his truth, you are considered evil and you could be thrown in jail. And so what does that look like? How can we speak truthfully so that we don't lose that sense of what our foundation is? Now, we can't put our truth onto somebody who doesn't believe the way we believe, right? I mean, we speak truth over them, but we can't force it on them. That's where grace comes in very, very, very clearly. But we need to get back to truth in the church, working with one another. We need to speak what God's Word says. And I love how Romans 6, 1 and 2 puts it. Paul says to the believers in Rome, which were, of course, heavily influenced by the culture around them because Rome was a powerhouse culturally in that world. And so Paul says to these followers in this distant land where he was preaching to, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Right? God's undeserved kindness to his people is undeserved. We haven't earned it. So then why not just do what you want? Go out and have fun. Live life. It's what we're supposed to do. How many followers of Jesus I know have done that? But then Paul says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. You've accepted the grace of God. You've died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? How can you live in it any longer? I want to say, at one point in our society, it wasn't that long ago. Now, I realize if you're not my age, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But at one point, not that long ago, 
sin was fairly easy to define. And most people, not all, but at least in society as a whole, there was definite, this is not okay. And it really lined up with what God's word said, right? And so we looked at it as, that's not the way to live. That's, gonna, that's not going to bring you life and happiness and joy. But now it's as if this world sees the things that the Bible says not to do as a way of finding life and hope and joy and pleasure and all the goodness. So cheat. Cheat to make more money because it's going to bring you joy. Have as many partners as you want. Live a life for your pleasures. Do what you want. When God's word says, think of others. What would be best for them? What would speak love towards them? What would speak love towards God? Right? Love God, love others, put others above yourself, place other people's needs before your own. Stand on my truth and serve others. It's totally contrary to how our society lives today. And so again, they, they look as if our way is restrictive or hateful or evil. Really, truly, God's rules, if you want to call them rules or laws or, or ways of living, weren't set up to restrict and to harm us, right? As Paul just beautifully pulled out, we've died to sin. We've died to the death and ugliness and corruption and chaos that is living the sinful life. Why would we want to go back? Right? God set up his rules not to bring death and destruction and hurt, conflict and chaos into our life. He brought it so that we could be freed from that and find life, find hope. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, listen to, to how God set up one particular law or rule in the Old Testament. The Lord God commanded the man, this was Adam, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Right now, the culture today would say, that is horrible, that is evil. But really, that's not what God intended. We take it and we spin it, the enemy spins it and makes God look like he's some dictator and horrible person that he would restrict us and cause us to die. And God's like, no. No, no, no. I gave you the whole stinking garden. You can have everything. That gives you life. That gives you freedom. You can have it all, but just not this one. That's, that's love. That's grace. That's God saying, I want you to enjoy life. Just don't do that one thing. Right? And what happened? They took it. They took it. They got obsessed over the one thing when they had millions of things in front of them to enjoy. And that's how it happens in our world. The, the, the enemy, it's not people. It's not some underground, some weird group that's somewhere trying to, to manipulate and change things. No, it's the enemy of our souls that's using people and using systems to spin 
and have us focus on all these things that God did not intend for our goodness. They were ways to protect us, to keep us from harm. And now the enemies say, no, you'll have enjoyment. Eat of that fruit. Because God really knows, right? That's exactly what he said to Eve. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll become like him. <laughs> That's what this world does. It says, oh, God, God's keeping you from that because he knows that if you do it, you'll really find joy. He's really trying to keep you from that. And he spins it. Friends, the truth sets us free. The enemy locks us up in darkness, in chains. Listen to John 8, 31, where Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you continue in my truth, you will really be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth sets you free. Truth brings a person into the right relationship with Jesus, which brings freedom. And so when we keep truth away from people, when we don't share it, we keep them from finding life, from finding freedom. And I know it's hard because conflict is so difficult, especially in our society, that what it's becoming, because truth is becoming this, this very divisive thing. And so now more than ever, we need to be a people that brings truth, but we bring it with a whole lot of grace involved. We, just like Jesus, need to be full, overflowing with both grace and truth both with how we speak to one another as followers of Jesus and how we speak to this world that doesn't know him. We need to understand where people are at and not withhold the truth from them because the truth is what sets them free. It's what brings them life. It's what brings them salvation. The knowledge of how to be right with God, of how to have this hope that there's so much more in a time to come and then how to give grace and truth to others. So who in your life needs grace and truth? I'm not asking you to give it to everybody today. Just that one person. Maybe you need some grace and truth in your life. My prayer for you today is that you will find somebody who you can trust that can pour into your life truth and that you will in turn be a gracious person who brings truth. Father, I pray for every person listening. First of all, that they would receive the grace that you give of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They would give their life to you because you're ultimately the one who gives abundant grace upon grace upon grace every day. And you bring the truth inside of our lives that sets us free. I pray that, that you will unlock that for every person listening. They will understand the truth that they will be set free. And that in turn, that you will help us to be that person one soul at a time to pour ourselves out with grace and truth. God, we need your Holy Spirit to do this. I ask that in the name of Jesus for every person listening.
thank you for joining us today, Nexus Church Family Online. If you have any questions or comments or concerns that you would like to share with us, please reach out to us at nexuschurchmn at gmail.com, or you can go to nexuschurchmn.com and reach out to us there. Our phone number is there, and you can contact, contact us there or go on Facebook or any other social media and reach out to us. We would love to help you connect to Jesus in a greater way. We'll see you again next week.